Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. We're going to take a look at a well-known story and a well-known man of God. Book of Genesis chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. If you have it, say, I have it. All right. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth Every single living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Bow with me, please. Father, as we come into this time and space where we encounter your word, God, remind us that your word is living and active. You say sharper than any double-edged sword, and it cuts away all in our life that is not in accordance with your will. So God, we give you permission today, God, to be the master surgeon. May your word do a surgery on our hearts and on our minds. May you help us to see any areas of our life where you are still working your divine presence. Allow us to see the truth and the glory of your word to encounter you this morning. And Father, we pray that we may be changed, transformed from what we were into what you have designed us to be. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Say it again, amen. 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 Good morning, family. So we are here in our second week of our June series uh, that we call Man Month. And I was led to this passage and the character of Noah. And I got to be honest, this isn't really what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to do kind of a rah, rah, rousing sermon. But as I continued to think about this day and time that we live in, I was brought back in my thinking to the days of Noah. Some context. God was frustrated with what he saw in the earth. 
It says in chapter 6, at the beginning of the story, uh, verse 5, I'll, I'll read it for you, you don't need to turn there. Uh, Genesis 6, 5, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. He looked at the world, he looked at creation and said, evil is running rampant in the hearts and minds of my people. And I was thinking about our time today. I was thinking about these crazy days that we live in. The wars and the abuse and the violence, senseless violence, the the lack of respect for human life. It just seems like we are living in the days of Noah. I actually say every now and then that if it all ended tomorrow, if this was indeed the last days, we couldn't say we didn't see it coming. All that the Bible has told us to be on the lookout for, all the signs of of where the world is going and, and where society is going and how people treat and respond to the word of God, it it could be the front page news of where we are today. And it made me think, how do we live as people of God? And in the context of this sermon in particular, for the men in the room as men of God in these perilous times. The series we've been using this framework of devoted. And I wanted to ask us, people of God, what are we devoted to in these days? Where are our hearts and our minds set and focused on? And could we learn a lesson from Noah and how he responded in his day and time to what the Lord looked out upon and said, my people's hearts are far from me. I wanted to use Noah as a picture of uh, manhood, not the whole story. You know, the the story of Noah in the ark is, is actually a pretty hotly debated thing. If you get on the internet and start Googling, people got all kinds of opinions. And there's some amazing things in the story. Uh, One of the things that we'll see is that uh, as Noah was getting ready to build the ark, the Bible says he was 600 years old. Now I'm 46. (laughs) Trying to make it to 47. And I can't imagine trying to build anything at 600 years old. And so I, I don't have an explanation, right? I don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly what that means and how we define these things. And, and, and the fact that he built the ark, something almost the size of the Titanic, that many years ago with very primitive tools, I can't explain that. But something happened in this day and time that God is raising up for us, for us to learn from, because nothing is new today. The days that we're living in now isn't surprising God. We're back in the same place where we always end when mankind turns away from God. And he's calling us to live for such a time as this. So I wanted to take some lessons from Noah. 
And I started out, I wanted, we, we know the story, it's in Genesis, he, he builds the ark, he takes in his family, but, but how has this story been looked at or interpreted over time? One of the best things about the Bible is it often gives us the ability to understand the Bible. And so I looked at Hebrews chapter 11, and if you know that chapter, that's kind of the, the hall of fame of faith, some of the giants of faith. And Noah is listed among those people. Let me read this to you, chapter uh, 11, verse 7 of Hebrews. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something that he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimately connected to God. In the middle of this evil and perilous and godless world, God sought out someone who would be faithful to their God. He found Noah back then, and I think he's looking for us today. Can we learn some lessons about Noah from Noah in navigating this godless world that he was living in, where evil seemed to be rampant, where violence was around every corner, but somehow Noah acted as an agent of God? I want to give us three things that I pulled out from this for your reflection. Three F phrases that that kind of define how Noah was able to live as a man of faith in these incredible times. The first one is that Noah was a framer. Noah was a framer. And I mean that not only in the meticulous way in which he built the ark, because he accomplished something that is just inconceivable. He had this ship, again, that was almost the size of of the Titanic made out of very primitive tools that withstood the greatest flood the earth has ever seen. And scientists are still trying to figure out how it was possible. There are all of these discoveries around, probably about 10 sites around the globe where they think they found the remnants of the ark. But they're still perplexed about how he was able to do it. How was he able to do it? Well, he did what God told him to do. He followed the instructions that God gave him and he framed out this vessel that would be an agent of salvation for mankind and for the animals. But that wasn't the only framing that he was doing. He had already begun framing his life in order to be ready for this incredible task. What do I mean by that? It's interesting that all we can gather from the scripture, and we don't get a lot of detail, but the best estimation is that Noah was probably more of a a farmer than anything else. So what was he doing going into the shipbuilding business to take on the biggest project that had ever been seen in the history of man? How did he get this incredible assignment? Somebody else around there had to know how to build boats better than Noah. But God used him because he was uniquely qualified. Noah didn't know anything about shipbuilding. He didn't know anything about large vessels. He didn't know anything about how to survive floods, but he knew that he had drawn a line in the sand for his life in the midst of an evil society. 
This is the point that I want you to get. He had an incredible call to build the ark. But where he started building was his life before the call. See, character precedes calling. He had established himself as an upright, righteous, faithful man of God. He, he had been faithful to his God. He had been faithful to worshiping and honoring and, and walking uprightly despite the fact that everyone around him was telling him, man, you should give that God up. That's old-fashioned. That's behind the times. Get with the program. But he would not compromise his God. And, you know, I think the problem for a lot of us today is that we're waiting for the calling before we've built the character. See, see, we want God to do this great, big, magnanimous thing. We want, we want our own ark. We want our own huge movement. We want God to pour into us and give us influence and give us uh, the ability to, to reach and, and teach and speak out. But we may not have prepared ourselves for the task because the character isn't where it needs to be yet. Moses started, I'm sorry, Noah started building his character vessel before he started building the ark. And we got to do the same thing. See, because it's dangerous doing something for God. It's dangerous trying to be your, uh, being put in a position where, where you can be a vessel or a voice of God because it says very clearly the enemy looks for those that are trying to step out on faith. It, 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 he, he, he looks for those that are, that are causing some commotion, some disruption to his world system, and we become targets. And so God had to make sure he had someone who wouldn't succumb to the pressure. I mean, can you imagine what Noah had to go through? How difficult it was, not just physically to build that uh, ark, not physically, but just the, the ridicule that he took. How did he do it? He was just simply obedient. If you read this text, at least three times, it states very clearly, Noah did exactly what the Lord commanded. That was his plan. That was his program. I'm going to hear what God tells me to do, and I'm going to walk into that, and I'm not going to be distracted by the people who tell me that I'm wasting my time or, or I'm living behind the times. And I think that's all we really need to do is just obey what God is telling us to do to form the character to receive the calling that he has for us. The Bible makes it very clear. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience. We can come in here and we can sing all the songs and we can, we can even serve some people and, and we can do good projects and, and we, can, we can pour out ourselves and make ourselves available and, and pray the house down. But if we're not obedient to what God has called us to do, we're not available for what he wants to do in our lives. Now you may say, you know what? I, ha- I haven't gotten my ark calling yet. There's no burning bush in front of my house. I, what do you mean, do what God wants me to do? I don't know exactly what God wants me to do. Well, Ten Commandments is a good start. You can start there. He's got a couple of, uh, couple of things that he's pretty specific about. Uh, love one another. Forgive one another. Uh, carry one another's burdens. Uh, be patient with one another, encourage one another. He's got this whole set of things that he's very specific. He doesn't necessarily have us do these big monumental things until we've shown we can be faithful with the small things. 
in a day-to-day lifestyle. That's what an obedient life looks like, a life that is willing to say, God, your word has called me to live and to think and to talk and to act in a way that is separated from the world that doesn't know you or obey you, and I will stand for you no matter what the world says to me. And I think that's the first step. He framed his life about being diligent and faithful to the little things God had given him. And then God was able to use him for something grand. How many times do we wait for the big thing, the grandiose thing, the thing that'll get us a lot of attention, by the way, and yet we fail to be diligent on the small things that are shaping our character every day of our lives. Noah was a framer. Number two, Noah was a floater. He was a floater. What do I mean by that? There was an interesting way that this story unfolds um, as, as things progress. So the flood comes. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. And it says that the earth filled up. This big boat starts to get lifted off the ground. And now the mountains around him are disappearing. It's just water and sky. And he is now out on this flood water. It says for 150 days with his wife, three kids, their wives, and a bunch of animals. 150 days in that boat. And he was the one who was responsible for everything. Can you imagine the pressure, the weight of that? Dad, when we get off the boat? Dad, how long is it going to keep raining? Dad, how long, how long are we going to be around these stinking animals? All the thing, it's all on him. And he doesn't know anything more than anybody else. He had done what God told him to do. God said, build the ark and get in it. And he got in it. And then God said, now wait till I finish doing what I'm going to do. What did the ark have? The ark had big sides. The ark had a roof. The ark had a window. You know what the ark didn't have? It didn't have any oars. He could not control where that boat was going. He's sitting in the boat like everybody else was, just riding and bobbing along on the water. It's totally beyond his control. Have you ever done what you thought God wanted you to do? You thought you were faithful. You thought you did the task. You got in your ark and you're holding on, and all of a sudden, you ain't got no oars on your boat anymore. And God is taking you to places you don't really know where you're going. You don't know when the trip's going to be over. You don't know if these people around you are going to shut up long enough so you can hear from God. You're just in the boat floating, completely dependent on the God who puts you in that situation. Moses, I'm sorry, Noah was a floater. He knew how to adapt and thrive in that situation. He had been faithful for the part that God gave him to, and now he's just in his ark waiting on God to do the rest. What does the ark represent? What does the ark mean? I mean, we got the flood waters, right? Noah is in the middle of a flood by no sin of his own. He didn't cause the flood. 
He was the one bright spot when God looked out over this world. But just because you're following God doesn't mean that you're not affected by the people around you who aren't following God. If it rained on them, it's going to rain on you a little bit too. Sometimes we just get caught up in the sinfulness of the world and we have the repercussions of God responding to sin and brokenness. And so Noah finds himself in the situation that he didn't really want to be in. But the ark represents everything that's precious to him. His wife, his children, any possession that he might have been able to get a hold of, all of creation that he's now responsible for, everything in his life is inside this ark and totally out of his control. All he can do is float and trust God. You ever had a situation, maybe with your kids, and you've done all you can to get them to the right place to be safe and to be in a position where God can bless them and keep them, but you can't control it anymore? All you can do is hold on and hope God is driving the boat because you have no power in the situation anymore? That's your ark. When you have responsibilities for for people and and, in your circle of influence and and you're trying to do the best that you can to to honor God and show God. And that's what I think uh, that's what I think God God got allowed Noah to be used for. Because I think he did his best work inside the ark. I don't think his greatest feat was building the ark. I think his greatest feat was being faithful inside of it. I I think he learned how to give control up and just say, I don't know what God is doing, but I trust him. I I, I don't know when the boat's landing, but God said he's going to land it. I I, I don't know when the water's going down, but God said he wouldn't leave us out here forever. And I think he told those stories of his faithfulness to his children. And I think when they were in the middle of their horrible situations, surrounded by floods and storms, he spoke into their lives Remember, remember, God is, God is a provider. We, we, remember, remember, God, God is always with us. Remember, God is a healer. Remember, remember, God promised that, that he'll be with us no matter what. I think he spoke those truths of his faith into their lives. And as a matter of fact, I think we're sitting here in this room because of the legacy of Noah telling those people what he believed about his God. He was able to stop being what a lot of us are. Control freaks. Right? We cool as long as we got some oars on the boat. Even if it's a bad, as long as I'm rowing, I feel like I have some control over where we going. But when God doesn't give you any oars, how much worshiping do you do then? It's hard to give up control. I was just talking to a friend of mine this weekend who got hit by a medical condition out of the blue, had no idea it was coming, and now finds herself sitting in a situation where other people are telling her what she can and can't do, where she can and can't go, what she can and can't eat, and when she can and cannot be off restriction. That's just downright un-American. We don't want nobody telling us anything. And, and, and she's found, found herself powerless and out of control. 
and unable to determine what's going to happen next. And even though she knows people are doing things on her behalf with her best interest in mind, it's still hard to let somebody else drive your ship when you want to drive it yourself. But, 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 but Noah learned how to float. He, he learned how to, well, there's no, no oars on this boat. I guess I'll just trust God. I guess I'll just believe the promises of God. I guess I'll just believe what he says when he says I'm the apple of his eye. That he has plans for me and they aren't to harm me or destroy me. And you know what? The other problem with floating is we don't appreciate it as a tool that God uses. But let's be honest with ourselves. Think about what it said in that scripture. It said, because of his faith, because he had gone on this journey, because he had built the ark, because he had gone in, because he had believed what God said, Noah got closer, more intimate to God. And I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, most of my most intimate times with God have come when I'm in my boat and it's floating and the storm is raging and I don't have no oars. Truth be told, I need some storms in my life or I wouldn't even understand who God is. Have you ever been in the middle of of this crazy situation and it's beyond your control? You you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how you're going to make it out of it. And in the midst, God shows up and he shows who he is. And you say, you know what? My God is my provider. My God is my protector. He just was there for me. I can tell you who my God is because I saw it for myself. And we spend so much time trying to get out of the boat that we don't see God put us there to bring us closer to him. We need some storms in our life. We need some times where we realize I'm not in control. I need to be able to find out in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of my trying to manipulate things and none of it working. I have to surrender and float in the boat that my God has provided and trust that he's enough to get me out of my circumstance. Last one. Noah was a framer. He was a floater. The last one I want to give you is a finisher. He was a finisher. This one has been resonating with me. I shared it. Uh, a little bit with uh, the service this morning, I said, you know, I, I, have, I have a wonderful collection at my house of Home Depot tools. <laughs> I got drills and hammers, electric saws, a plane. I got all kinds. My, my stuff is tight. I got a good collection. And since I have all of these tools... I have a lot of projects. (laughs) And my wife is helping me realize that finishing is an important part of the process of having tools and projects. Because I realize on my own, I will use all of my tools on all of my projects for a really long period of time and never actually mark anything off of the project list. Can you imagine if Noah said, "Mm, 
I think I'm only going to put this one side of the boat on. Maybe we don't really need the roof. I'm getting tired. I'll just leave the roof off. See, God gives us work to do, but he wants us to finish the task. He wants us to be faithful and hold on to the end because he's got something he's trying to accomplish, but we can't float in a half-built boat. And God is trying, I think, to show us that Noah knew how to finish his projects all the way through. He he, he built the boat following the exact instructions of God. And he was faithful to the task that God gave him. And then he tested it at the end when he saw the signs that things were getting better. So he sent out a bird and he sent it out again. And, And then he finally got confirmation that the storm was over and that it was time to get out of the boat and that his work was done. And he had poured in to those people that were coming out of the boat the faith they would need to let the name of God be known throughout the rest of the world. I think he knew his responsibility. And what's the first thing that he did when he got out of the boat? Start frying chicken? (laughs) Throwing a party? The first thing that Noah did when he got out of the boat was to build an altar and worship his God. Because he realized it was God that had got him through his storm. He realized it was God that had been faithful to what he promised. He realized that it was God, even though he didn't know where this next chapter of life was going, he didn't know where he was, he's on the side of some mountain somewhere, he didn't know how it was going to work out, he didn't know how he was going to survive, he didn't know what God had in store, but he knew at the beginning of something new was a great time to praise my God for where he brought me from and for where he's taken me into. He finished his journey and began a new journey with praise. And can I speak to the brothers for just a second? I think we got to know how to become men of worship. I think we better learn how to be some altar building, God acknowledging men for this generation. Our children need it. He had three young families that he was sending out into this world. And all they had was the knowledge that he had provided them on their God and how faithful he was. Are we sowing into the generations behind us the story of the faithfulness of our God? Are we sending them out of our ark, out of our area of protection with all that they are equipped with so that they will know God for themselves? Are we being men of God who can testify to how good God has been in our lives? so that they will have confidence of who God will be in theirs. And I think there is something powerful that happens when men do that. It's a statistical reality. When the man chooses to go to church, the whole family goes to church. It's a a statistical reality. And I am so grateful for the women of God who, have, who are the first teachers and who are the ones who, who pour so much into the younger generations 
and who have been so strong in allowing the faith of God that they have had to permeate to their children. I'm so grateful for our sisters who have continued to plant the seeds of faith in our lives. But I know God is calling the men of this generation to have the faith of Noah and to stand up and proclaim who the God that they know is to the generations that follow them. You look at so many of the issues in this world, particularly in America, and how many of them are traced back or have it part of the root cause, fatherlessness, a lack of a man who can show what it means to be a godly man, what it means to love and honor a woman, what it means to to have a heart that seeks after God and surrenders to God. So many of people in this country need to see an image of a man of God so that we can break these cycles that the enemy stands back and laughs that we don't know how to get out of. And so I just want to speak a word of encouragement. I I, I want to speak a word of encouragement to the young men here. Maybe you're a new father. Maybe, maybe you're single and you're kind of at that, that junction point in the road where you're trying to decide career and relationship and, 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 and the world is in front of you. I want to encourage you to put your trust and plant your roots in Jesus Christ. Allow him to be your captain of your ship. Allow him to chart the courses. Allow him to guide you into the right relationships. Allow him to be the one who shapes your heart and your mind and your career and all this other stuff that we get so preoccupied. Trust that when you don't have the oars to drive it, that God is guiding you to where you need to be. And for our season, brothers, I want to give you a word of encouragement too. Maybe your children are gone out of the house. Maybe you're finishing up your duties as a parent. There's a generation that needs you. A generation that's desperate for godly men to invest in the men and women, the children in this world. God, I pray that we don't just sit on the sidelines. I pray that we don't we don't just feel like I've done my work with my biological children and hey, I'll pray for you. It's interesting that this whole time period is often referred to as the time of Noah. One man who chose to be a vessel of God became the definition of a whole era of time. Why? Because he was faithful and he cared for his family. He cared for those that God had put within his circle of influence. He invested in them and told them about the God that he knew and he became the father of us all. 
So brothers, I pray that we find somebody that we can invest in. Somebody that we can be Noah to. God is calling Noah's for this generation. I think he looks on this world and he says, I'm so sick of the evil I see. I'm so sick of the violence I see. I'm so sick of the, 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 the people who have no care for me or my word. Where are my Noah's who can stand up for me and reach the lost children in this world? I pray we hear the call and respond. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what PhDs or degrees you have. All you need is a heart that is willing to be used by God to build your ark, to surround your family, to bring them into the loving arms of God and trust that when you can't control the outcome, he has you and them in the palm of his hand. That's my prayer for us. to be framers, to be floaters, and to be finishers of the good work God has given us to do. And if we do that, God will handle all the rest. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God in heaven, I don't know who you're bringing into our hearts and minds. But I know for each one of us, every man and woman in here, God, there was someone that you have allowed us the privilege of showing them the way, of demonstrating faith, of sharing our story, of being a witness to the God that we know and serve. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that the ark that Noah built, which was a vessel of salvation for him and his family, was a picture of Jesus Christ, who is our vessel of salvation. God, help us to lock ourselves up in Christ. Help us to intertwine our hearts and our minds with yours, that we can see this broken world the way that you see it. And that we can become agents of, of manifesting your kingdom, being salt and light wherever you've planted us, simply for the glory of the God that we know and serve. Bless us, God. Give us a double portion of wisdom and grace that we may be used by you. I pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit of God. And all his children said amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.